Hey. 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 You can tell I'm not feeling great. You can tell I'm feeling sick. Well, because you I didn't, didn't say, say yo. yo. <laughs> um, Jamie's been eating pure sugar today. I'm very poor sugar. We need these delicious Colourful sprinkles. Does anybody else like sprinkles? I couldn't eat them on their own. I can. So this week on the oh, Sensory Matters podcast, Jenny is chatting to Essie from Celebrating Dis Disabilities. Celebrate disabilities. Um, we're looking forward to listening to this podcast because we don't know very much about this and it's interesting, isn't it, when we listen to a podcast yeah. that we don't know much about. Um, also this week, oh, Luna is also here. Also this week, Luna will meow in our face. Also this week, don't forget, you can still get three for two on your VIC membership. So that's three months for the price of two. So basically runs at £9.30 per month. Three months VIC subscription in January. If you take it out in January, you also get ABC uh, free, which is a jam button pendant, a pink jazz, or a earth bubble bangle. So you're getting free products in January with your subscription. So worth taking them out. Use the code three for two two. Three for two two. Three for two two. I didn't know we were doing two o's. Right. So we're gonna go and listen. I'm gonna eat maybe eat more of these. I don't know. And we'll be back soon. Enjoy. Oh, and here's Star. Enjoy Star. We love a net and we love a jet We love to help and that's a fact So we have made it our mission to find stuff out From diagnosis and education Slimming out of your frustration Chat to folks who've been there too Collect it together and share it with you If you know someone we should speak to Send them our way and that's what we'll do We like to have our sensory natters You know what? Right, hi everyone, it's Jenny here um, with another Sensory Matthias show and today I am chatting to Essie, Essie, Essie? Essie. Essie. Yeah. Essie. Um, now Essie runs an organisation called Celebrating Disability, which at the very core of it is all about inclusion of a range of disabilities, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah, absolutely. It's. Um, I think it's important to concentrate on being inclusive of everybody and not concentrate on the specific impairments. Yeah. Although specific impairments are important, it's more about uh, knocking down, uh, sorry, creating solutions to barriers for everyone rather than saying, oh, this person's in a wheelchair and they've got cerebral palsy and this is how this affects that person in specifically. Okay. So, okay. So that's that's a massive goal, isn't it? To, it is. It's huge because yeah, it's it's it means that organisations have to really think big picture. Absolutely, but you know, it's the benefits much outweigh the work that they have to do. Um, and I, I mean, what I say to organisations a lot is the work that they do to make their environment inclusive is not just inclusive for disabled people; mm-hmm. it's inclusive for everybody. And actually, if they were impairment specific for every different disabled person that come into their building, then that would be a much more hard task. So the task might seem daunting, but actually, when they get going, it's not as daunting as they think it might be. Um, because when they get the right mindset and the right attitude towards it it's easy to think how they can it's just about changing attitudes changing perceptions and the rest kind of falls into place from there okay so let's start with your story then how on earth what what did you do before this because you started this in January last year I did indeed January 2017 so before that um, if I start from the beginning, so when I, I graduated drama school and I worked in performing arts, 
for a few years. Um, and then, um, so I performed myself in theatre and in film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of, a lot of actors, while they're not working, they find other jobs to fill in the time. So my other jobs were around running drama workshops okay. for um, adults. And then I was asked to run workshops for um, young people with learning disabilities and young people with physical disabilities. And I found that a lot of the performances that we were putting on, I used to get the um, students to devise their own performances. Um, a lot of the ideas for the performances they were coming up with was around perceptions of disability and trying to get out their frustrations about not being seen as another peer without a disability would be seen. Right. Um, and I really, really enjoyed doing that. And we wrote quite a few plays, some of which that taught. Um, and then alongside that, I got spotted by a colleague who said, you know, you'd be really good to sit on some social care panels mm. to talk about your experience as somebody that uses services of a local authority, mm-hmm. but also your professional experience of working with lots of other disabled people. Okay. So I kind of started sharing my opinions and my views and how local authorities could improve services for disabled people. Um, and they asked me to deliver some training to social workers yeah. on how to work best with disabled people. Um, And so I did that for a number of years. And then I applied for a job with a charity local to where I'm based in Basingstoke. Um, And the charity supported disabled people to, um, in their words, to live the lives they choose. So I started up working in a care home with 20 disabled people of ranging abilities and ranging ages to help them to understand that they had choices Mm -hmm. in life and that they could um, use those choices to drive their life forward. Uh, A lot of the work was around helping them making meaningful decisions um, because they'd been in institutions for such a long time they didn't understand how to make a choice and what choices were available to them. And alongside that, I I trained the staff that supported them to help them to make those choices as well. Um, And then I was promoted to the head office where I essentially did that for the entire organization, which was no mean feat. Uh, But it was really fun. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, And I really enjoyed helping different departments in the organization to understand how to make their services more inclusive for the customers they were supporting. Um, by changing, you know, the language that they used um, and um, developing um, formats with their content that were accessible for the majority of people and welcoming and engaging disabled customers to have a voice in how the organization was run and what services were provided into the future. Um, And I did that until the end of 2016 when I thought, you know what, I really enjoy supporting disabled people to have the opportunities. What I would like to do is do more work supporting businesses to see the potential in disabled people. Because, you know, my work was around developing confidence in disabled people. And then they would go out and try to buy a service or try to buy a product or try to get a job and the perceptions and the stigma and the stereotypes that the face disabled people on a daily basis were still there in business. Right. Um, so what I do now through celebrating disability is to help um, develop people's confidence and awareness and understanding of the barriers that disabled people face, but also the potential that disabled people bring into their business. Yeah. 
and a, and a lot of that just listening to you there's the sort of two arms then isn't there there's you, you've got a lot of experience of working with disabled people and getting them to um i guess challenge perceptions and have the confidence to ask for whatever they need because yeah. i think um the comment you just made there was interesting that you were helping people um realize that they had choices in life so it's fascinating to me that these people maybe think they don't have a choice is that quite common yeah, I mean, in my experience, it is quite common because the, the you know, the, the disabled people I worked with, they came from institutionalized settings where they went to, in quotes, special schools, schools for physically or, or for disabled people. And then they came out of that specialist school system where they were wrapped in cotton wool and everything was done for them. Mm-hmm. And actually, education was secondary to learning how to tie your own shoelace. Um, not that people couldn't tie shoelaces, they didn't know how to tie loose shoelaces, but um, they people thought it was really important that they did tie shoelaces, even though they were physically incapable of doing so. So a lot more effort was spent on, um, which is really important, building people's um, physical strength rather than the education. Mm-hmm. So people were coming out, of, and still are today, come out of education with no actual um, skills to take them on into the workplace or even out into society because, as I said, everything is being done for them. Mm. So then um, they move into a care setting um, and everything is exactly the same as it was in school. So people never develop the opportunity to understand that they have choices that they can make themselves. And these choices can be very, very basic from, you know, you do have a choice what you have for breakfast. Mm-hmm. to actually I do want to go out and get a job I do want to whether that's a paid job or a voluntary job I do want to go out and do something or I do want to go to the cinema and I do actually want to go on holiday and I want to choose who I go on holiday with mm-hmm. these choices are, are simple to us and you know come naturally to us but if you've never had it before you know it's a big thing and it's a hard thing to decide actually whether I want to stay in today or whether I want to go to the cinema, especially when there's lots of other things that go into it. So as a disabled person myself, I understand the barriers faced in every kind of decision I make. So it's not as easy as I'm going to the cinema, so I'm going to walk out the front door and get in my car. Mm. It's okay, I want to go to the cinema. So when is my PA coming? So when will I put my shoes on? When's the train if I don't want somebody to drive me? And all of those other things that go into doing something when you need physical support. So if you've never done that before, then you need help to understand how and whether you can actually be bothered to do all that. Okay. Yeah, no, makes sense. And what 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 is your disability? My disability is cerebral palsy. So um I um all four of my limbs are affected. Yeah. Um I can use each of my limbs a little bit, but not very much. So I use a wheelchair outdoors and walk around indoors mm-hmm. and I have personal assistance to help me do the things I can't do myself. So they help me physically with my work to type or to kind of do the do the physical things I can't do myself. They drive my car and they also help me with my personal support. Okay. So they help me in the morning to get up and dress and things like that. Yeah, okay. And so talking of going to um specialist schools, did you did you is that your experience of life? Did you it is, yeah, yeah. So um, I didn't go to specialist schooling until I was going to secondary school. Okay. I went to mainstream. Um, and then my parents decided, with the local authorities' help, 
um, that I should go to specialist school. So I went to Trelaw School. At the time, it was called Lord Mayor Trelaw School. Okay. Um, and um, when I was 16, I fought tooth and nail against my mother to <laughs> not go into specialist education. And so I went to my mainstream college. Okay. Okay. And how was that experience for you? It was different. It was, I, I always say, I'll never tell my mum this, but it was, and you know, we've had this discussion loads of times um, as to whether it was the right decision, because it was the right decision in some ways, and it was the wrong decision in other ways. I really enjoyed it. It gave me the social skills that, and all the social experience that I didn't have from going to an institution, institutionalized setting. Um, however, it didn't have the support that the institutionalized setting had. So, um, and, you know, I was with a bunch of 16 year olds who had, you know, some of them had never come across disabled people before. Mm. So had that stereotypical idea of what a disabled person was. Mm. Um, and so I found it very hard to integrate and make friends to begin with. Yeah. Um, but when I moved into the drama department, when I was 17, I found it a lot easier. Um, but I was also, I experienced discrimination from the faculty as well um, in terms of what they felt I was capable of and therefore what they stopped me from participating in. Right. Well, that must have been incredibly frustrating. Oh, it was incredibly frustrating. I'm quite lucky because I have a mum who fought tooth and nail mm -hmm. for what she felt was right and what I wanted and so she was probably in the office in the headmasters or the principal's office at least on a monthly basis <laughs> fighting for my inclusion yeah so I was incredibly lucky that that happened because that doesn't happen for everybody through no fault of anyone's yeah. um and so you know that led me on to doing what I do now I was told at the time my careers advisor told me that I could never go to drama school and so my mum was like, I don't think so. <laughs> so. That was another meeting. And lo and behold, I was I went to drama school. Brilliant. And so you, you graduated in drama? I did, yeah. I graduated in drama from the Liverpool Institution of Performing Arts in okay. 2001. Okay. Um, and worked in LA for a while and oh, in London. Wow. And in my local theatre in Basingstoke as well. Oh, LA, baby. Brilliant. What was that like? It was very cool. I do like to drop that in. Yeah, quite right. I would too. <laughs> so what, what's the what's the kind of best bit of drama that you did? What's been, you know, the thing you're most proud of? I went, so I, I kind of migrated from acting to directing and I actually really enjoyed directing. Um, and I wrote and directed a play um, called Bank Robbers, and it's about disabled people robbing a bank. Oh, wow. So my best friend and I came up with a concept years ago when we were talking. She's also physically disabled. Mm -hmm. And we were having kind of a tongue-in-cheek conversation about how we wanted to get rich quick and we wanted to rob a bank, but it wouldn't work because we'd have to ask people to hold the guns up for <laughs> us because my friend was a performer as well. Yeah. Um, and we hired a writer to write it for us, and we didn't. He could. He didn't understand our concept so I thought you know what I'm going to give it a go and write it myself and then I um, got my disabled my um, the the students at the time they performed it for me mm -hmm. um, and then it went on to be performed by professional actors very good amazing so do you miss that side of performing um 
not performing. I miss directing and I miss writing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the days of my days of performing are well and truly behind me. I prefer to be in charge now rather than being told what to do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, brilliant. Okay, so um, in terms of what you've experienced yourself as a disabled person, what are the kind of like, is someone really saying that type thing that you, you hear and you think, oh my God, does that still exist? Is there anything like that? Absolutely. So interestingly, this morning I was doing the social media for the week um, and I was doing an infograph of the, uh, infographic, sorry, of the five most um irritating and condescending phrases that people come up with um and for example it happens a lot on public transport where people are assisting me on the train um they call their colleagues um and and tell them that there's a wheelchair coming and i say well actually you know there is a person in the wheelchair you know it's not just zooming along on its own it's not like a headless chicken i'm here as well there's a person in a wheelchair that needs assistance yeah not just the wheelchair itself so that's quite frustrating um there are many but my biggest bugbear is um inspirational so people call me inspirational um purely because i've got up in the morning and i breathe (laughs) so i always i always challenge people you know if it's appropriate in a business setting i always challenge people and i said i say uh, you know thank you very much for finding me inspiring however i think that it should only be accepted if you find me inspiring for what I've achieved, not the fact that I'm sitting in a wheelchair. So I I ask people to challenge their perceptions of of why I'm inspirational to them. Yeah. Um, because you know there are so much so many images of disabled people um, achieving, and it's used as motivational images. Yeah. And um, Stella Young, um, who was a famous activist, a disability activist, said. Um, penned the term disability porn um inspirational porn because she said these images that we see all the time that you know a disabled a child a disabled child in a wheelchair you're playing basketball and beside there's writing if you can't achieve try harder mm-hmm. essentially saying to everybody else oh look at this poor disabled person if he can do it then you can definitely do it yeah. it's not fair on that disabled person because a disabled person is just doing what he wants to do and it's not fair on somebody else who is actually having a hard time for many other reasons yeah um one of the other phrases i really helped is the only disability is your attitude which is completely unfair and it's completely giving the wrong image of disabled people it's essentially saying that if you're disabled and you can't achieve it's your own fault mm-hmm. which is so not the case um and i think it's used a lot in mental health which is so not the case you might not be able to see the disability but it is so disabling it's yeah. it the impairment is so disabling for the person that is is living with it. And so to say that it's an attitudinal problem is, is completely unfair um, and misleading. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, though, a lot of people, when they make comments like that, it's it's they think they're being nice. Absolutely. They, they, absolutely, they do. But I think it's our responsibility to help people understand that, I mean, they are being nice when they do it, but it's our responsibility as disability specialists to help people understand that actually this is the meaning behind those terms yeah. and so that people won't make those, those mistakes. 
Yeah. They, there are, they are innocent mistakes. But if people understand, are aware of the meaning behind them, then they can have the same meaning, but in a, it, using different language. Yeah, there's a, there's a real lack of thought around the depth of what it means. You know, they quite often throw away sentences or comments that they think are the nice thing to say. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah and we probably all need to get better at, at being aware of what we say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so in terms of you, 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 the business that you now have basically works with other businesses to try and help them become more inclusive of a range of disabilities or any disability. Yeah. And when we were chatting earlier, you were saying it's not adapting to a particular disability. It's just having that umbrella view of inclusion. Absolutely. No, um, I will that sounds have, huge. Yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that, that just sounds massive to me. I don't even begin to understand how you could, how, how do you do that when you talk to these people? Well, I mean, if, if you help people understand the barriers, so if you take disability out of it and you use a different barrier, you know, I was talking to a colleague the other day where we are developing some inclusion workshops together so we can go in and deliver inclusion audits and workshops to businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and she comes from a non-disabled background, so she works in customer experience. And I was explaining to her that if you put in another minority, take away disability and insert another minority. So, for example, a really popular and rightly so subject at the moment is is women um, and equality for women and the gender pay gap. So if you walk into a, if I walked into a room or wheeled into a room, um, or walked into a room as a as a white middle class woman, and a man said, "Oh look, oh bless, look at her lovely ass," hmm. yeah, that wouldn't be acceptable at all. However, I walk, I wheel into a room all the time, and people go, "Oh bless, that's lovely to see you here." So you know, there's no different. I'm the same person as the other person one is insulting and one's an accident but actually both are really insulting and it's helping people to understand that disabled people have a right to equality the same as everybody else another example is if you use the same example for women but if you um if i walk, if i go up to a building in my wheelchair and that I've called ahead of time to say I want a ramp or even if I haven't called and there's no ramp then people have to run around people apologize and they might be embarrassed for five seconds but then they move on Mm. however if if i was a if i was a white middle-class woman or a woman without a disability and i walked up to a building and i couldn't get in it wouldn't be acceptable that that building wasn't accessible to me but but because you had the disability all of a sudden becomes an accident rather than something that is not ready so my work with inclusion is helping people to understand that disabled people are equal. And because disabled people are equal, they have the same rights to a building or to a service or to a product as everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so businesses need to be making the right adjustments. Mm-hmm. Make they are. So, for example, in a workplace, in an office environment, it's about supporting um your staff to develop the culture of inclusion so that everybody um, can have the same access to the conversations, can have the same access in the meetings, can have the same access in the kitchen area and the social events that go on afterwards. It's about disabled customers having the same access to the restaurant at the same time, being able to get through the same doors as everybody else. Mm 
having to go around the houses to book an accessible room, but every member of staff understanding what to do to help somebody to book an accessible room and how to answer those questions related to disability. Mm-hmm. And it's about having the right content and the right language to to help your disabled customers understand that you welcome them and value them into your business. So, for example, if you have a ramp at the side rather than at the front door, don't expect people to just intrinsically know that. Mm-hmm. And say, oh, our ramp is around the side. Please come in. We can't wait to greet you or something yeah. like that. I'm sorry, our access isn't exactly the same as everybody else's. However, we do have access around this way. Yeah. Or if you know a disabled person in a wheelchair, for example, is coming, you know, um, make sure you're there to greet them, to show them where they need to be. Because if you're greeting all your other guests, then your disabled guest should be treated exactly the same way. Yeah. So it's not all about um, making massive changes that cost you thousands and thousands of pounds. Obviously, you might sometimes have to make adaptions to your building, um, but it's about having those attitudes and understanding those barriers to think of ways to overcome those barriers for your disabled guests. Yeah, absolutely. And in your experience, has that got much better? Are things much more accessible? Um, they're getting there. They're getting there. I mean, there's always ways to go. Um, so I like it these days when I go to a hotel as as a consumer, when I go to a hotel and I um, I try to book a room and I'm not turned down because the only accessible room is taken. Mm. So when there's more than one accessible room available, that's really nice. Yeah. That people actually recognize that they're not just going to get one disabled person a year turning up and there's not going to be a problem with fighting over rooms. Um, the things that, st- there are lots of things that still need to be improved, lots of things in the public sphere, like cinemas, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult as as a wheelchair user, it's very difficult to go to the cinema with a group of friends who are also wheelchair users or a group of non-disabled friends, to be fair, yeah. because there's usually one, and they call it like a companion seat yeah. next to it, and everybody else has to sit somewhere else. But actually, I want to go with a group of friends like everybody else. Yeah. Or booking a, um, when I try to book a table in a restaurant, um, it it's not it's obviously not a very common thing that they hear that, that there needs to be an accessible table because lots of people ask me to repeat myself four or five times yeah what do you mean well i mean that i can't climb any stairs so these things need to just be brought into the um the normal sphere a bit more so that people the general public a bit more so that people are aware and they're ready to deal with the situations that disabled people might be facing and as a business they should be ready to support with yeah absolutely have you um someone that i'm chatting to um in about a month's time has a, an organization called neat box have you heard of it no, I haven't, no. Oh, definitely worth looking up. So they've yeah, basically I developed, and I don't know a lot about it yet because I haven't spoken to them, but it's basically an app um, and a system that companies can use. Going back to what you said about greeting a wheelchair user. Um, so it's things like you can, on your business premises, you can they can book in to say, you know, someone who's blind is coming, for example, or whatever. Um, and they can set a perimeter 
thing so that as soon as that person enters that perimeter coming to their business, they know Mrs. X is coming and she needs a, a bit of help through that door or whatever because she's blind or whatever. Um, and, and therefore it allows them to be really proactive and tailor it to whoever's coming or get the ramp out if the ramp isn't a, a permanent fixture. So that, that sounds great. That sounds great. I mean, you know, those things are really helpful. And, you know, along with that is also the awareness that's needed. So if yes. you have the app, making sure that the members of staff know why the app is so important. Yeah. Um, but that sounds brilliant. I'll definitely be looking that up. Yeah, yeah, definitely have a look up, uh, uh, look it up. It's, it sounds really good. I'm looking forward to chatting to him. Um, so in terms of do do you do you get calls from businesses saying come and help us or do you have to do you that's encouraging it's it's i mean yeah it's i mean obviously only being a year and a half old you know yes. it's just starting to people are coming to me but i'm i'm getting quite a few inquiries these days um asking for advice that leads on to workshops or consultation um but i do go to a lot of events as well where i talk to people and say oh actually did you know that if you do this this will be more inclusive yeah and do do you find that most people umbrella disability still with physical disability? Yeah, yeah. I, I do. Yeah, um, and it, it's not really their fault because I mean hidden disabilities are only just becoming um, more prevalent. Well, they're not just becoming more prevalent, but they're only just becoming more visible, if you like. Yeah, you know, they're only just becoming more talked about. And you know, if you think it relative to disability, if you think about how long the disability movement's been going. Um, the social model of disability was termed by wheelchair users. So it's always been based around physical disabilities and wheelchair users. So now the invisible and hidden disabilities are coming more to our forefront of our thinking. Um, businesses are beginning to think about that. And at the moment, there's a huge push to support people with mental health in the workplace, yeah. which is great. Um, where I want to get to is where we see disability as something that actually it doesn't matter what the impairment is we need to support people no matter what their needs are we need to celebrate people no matter you know what their barriers are and what their backgrounds are so never mind whether we are um, mixed race black disabled um, what our sexual orientation is we should be celebrated for who we are and yeah. uh, not that the we shouldn't be noticed for the struggles that we face yeah okay yeah, that makes total sense. So if if um, someone came to you and said, I want my I want to help with my business, I want to make sure that I am being inclusive and you went and did a training package for them. Where, where would you start with that? What would be you, do you have to unpick the business first and then put them back together? So um, it, it depends on the business. Yeah, it's very bespoke. So some people would like a general disability awareness, and when I deliver general disability awareness and inclusion training, I try to cover a lot of topics in about half a morning, a kind of three quarters of a day. Um, and from then, sometimes they say, "Oh, you know, we're really interested in this. Now I can see where our issues are. We would like more work on that." Mm. Um, if I have a choice. 
I um, advise businesses to start with an audit so that I can go in and and have a look at what's going on at the moment Mm -hmm. and shadow them and talk to members of staff um, and see how customers are interacting, see what their access is, see what their inclusion is, and then make suggestions from them. So it might be um, saying, oh, actually, if you put a couple of, uh, you know, if you change your signage a bit, it will make it a lot easier for people to get around. Mm. Um, I noticed that your staff have the right attitude but they don't feel confident when talking to disabled people maybe we can do some work on that or um you know if you're worried about not getting um enough disabled candidates through the door let's have a look at your recruitment process and look at how you're making your recruitment process inclusive for disabled people Mm -hmm. i where are you advertising how are you advertising how are you getting people to fill in the application forms Mm -hmm. um what could you do to change all that yeah. Uh, and so I try to, you know, if a business calls me up, I won't just say, okay, here you go, have this, have a nice life. I will try to work with that business to understand where their specific needs are and yeah. where they're trying to get to and how that fits in with what I can offer them. Yeah, that makes sense. And do you find that, you know, from your experience, there are core themes that every business could be doing better? It's a lot to do with confidence. People, I mean, more and more people have the right attitude, but they're not confident enough, especially with language. There's so much about, oh, no, don't say that word, that will append, or you can't say that anymore. So people are scared to say anything. And and because of that, they shy away from talking to disabled people, or they shy away from interviewing disabled people, and they shy away from um, engaging those disabled visitors and those disabled customers. So um, I do, I mean, language and terminology for me is something that I find really important. And so I like to work a lot on language. Um, and so I go in and, you know, as a disabled person, I can say the words that are politically incorrect mm-hmm. because it opens people up to say, well, if she's saying that, then I can actually open up and say what I'm really feeling. Yeah. And those things that people are feeling are really important because until they say them or until they acknowledge them for themselves, we can't do anything about it. So yeah. I always encourage uh, people I work with to be as open as possible so then we can start to think about what's behind what they're thinking yes or what they can do instead because some people are so worried about saying the wrong thing that they just won't say anything even in a training setting yeah well I was going to say that I, I mean I, I work in the disability sector I suppose and mm-hmm. I'm probably more aware and knowledgeable than most but I still find it hard I'm still I, I still struggle with whether I'm supposed to say a person with autism or an autistic person. Yeah. And I and I get I get frustrated with the pedantics of it because I can understand why it, it might upset someone and I can't even tell you which is the right way anymore. But it it just stops conversation for me. It does, absolutely. It does absolutely. And I think, you know, you going back to what you say about you can't even remember which one's the right. I don't actually think there is a right and wrong. Mm. I think that it's down to individual choice. Um I was interviewed for something a few weeks ago and the person asked me then whether it's a disabled person or a person with and I said as an individual, it's an individual's choice. Mm-hmm. Um, however, as a business, a business needs to make a decision as to where they, they need to understand the, you know, the meaning behind both. And then they may need to make a conscious decision about how they're going to talk about disability yeah. um, because it will invite disabled people in or alternate way. Yeah. Um, so as an individual, you know, it, it's an individual. I, I, 
I see myself as a disabled person, but somebody else, one of my colleagues sees themselves as a person with a disability. <laughs> and you're neither a right or wrong. Yeah. Um, but as a business, it's important for both of our businesses to make that differentiation and understand why we're making that differentiation. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess if asked, you can explain why your Absolutely. view is that. It's no different to Absolutely. having a view on a political party, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, I like their colours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd also seen something around language where um, people are, are looking to drop the dis part. Um, have you seen that? I haven't seen it recently, but I've heard it before. And, and that's very popular in America, isn't it? Yeah. And with that, I, I, again, I understand why, because the, it, it's like disadvantage, disability, disable. It all sounds very, very negative. Mm. Um, so I can understand it. But I also think my personal view is rather than getting bogged down with whether we use dis in front of a word, let's just get on with making things inclusive for people rather than getting hung up on words is my view uh, no absolutely absolutely it's 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 almost like a way of avoiding the subject isn't it yes. let's talk all day about language and let's drop this word and put this word in and let's make a uh, capitalize this letter but actually we're still not very inclusive disabled people still can't get in our building yes. so we need to con you're absolutely right we need to concentrate on that part more than the this part yes absolutely so if you could do a, a sweeping generalization and say, I wish all businesses did these two things, what would it be? Hmm. Okay, <laughs> I wish all businesses um, took the time to understand barriers that disabled people face so that they can implement processes to over, for, for, implement processes or find solutions to those barriers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wish all businesses saw the potential in disabled people, both as customers and as employees. Okay. So do you still think discrimination exists in terms of being employed? Absolutely, yeah. 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 100%, yeah. Unfortunately, yes. And I think, you know, discrimination obviously grows from prejudice, which grows from bias. And there's still so much bias around and prejudice because of what's in the media and the generations that, that are teaching people things. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of disabled people themselves see, don't still don't see themselves as equals because of where we're, you know because of what I said before about you know education and yeah. the chances people have not been given and then the places where they end up mm -hmm. um, they see themselves as as less equal to those peers um, and so these things go around because if you can't see yourself as an equal mm -hmm. then you can't emanate that when you're talking to other people yeah absolutely um and the media does a very i mean it's it's kind of backtracking now but it does a very good job of pigeonholing disabled people and stereotyping disabled people for comedy um or you know um having disabled people with chips on their shoulders mm -hmm. um and you know the imagery surrounding disabled people that represent um an accessible bay being a wheelchair um, where obviously there's lots of other disabilities that, that don't need a wheelchair. And all of these things help people's prejudice just to breed and breed. Mm. And then it comes into the workplace. And in the workplace, you're expected to be a certain thing and you're expected to be on time and you're expected all these things. And there's, there's not a lot of room for flexibility and adaptions. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's all it really needs. It's it's about it. It really just needs a bit of empathy and a bit of flexibility and flexible working and agile working is coming in, but it's still one of those things that oh you know that's nice but we'll do it tomorrow after we finish this assignment. Yeah. But this needs to be done in order for that person to finish this assignment and that person would be very good at the job if you just stopped for a minute and listened to a few things that they need and listen to their experiences of what they could bring into your workplace yeah that's interesting subject I always think comedy and humor and disability is a really interesting topic mm. um because if, if you take a a bunch of friends who who have no disabilities they will take the mickey out of each other for mm-hmm. the obvious characteristics that they have. So I would be like stupid and blonde or which is wrong. I'm not saying it's right, you know, but there's all that that goes on. And, and a lot of that is taken in good humor. And then when a disabled person has humor and, and says something like, uh, oh, no, who did I know that said this recently? It was something about... Um, I'll just get up and get that. Yeah, right, because they're in a wheelchair. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it can make the able-bodied people feel really uncomfortable. And and an able-bodied person may be saying that um, you've got to have a really good relationship. I suppose it's just down to friendship, isn't it, to be able to take the mickey back when yeah. it's with... So, yeah, I find that interesting because you're right, the media does have a lot of that portraying chips on shoulders and comedy and all the rest of it. But the same exists in all the stereotypes, whether it's, you know, race, blonde hair, redheads being angry, you know, all those sweeping generalisations. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I am um, going back to my performing career. Yeah. I used humour a lot to get a message across because humour is a really powerful tool because whilst you're enjoying yourself, you're, you're kind of receiving information. So yes. humour is a very, very powerful tool but it can be used for good and it can be used for evil. Um, And I think just from what you're saying, just exactly what you're saying, I think sometimes when humans used like a jovial way, oh, look at that disabled person trying to cross a road, oh, they're having a difficult time, ha, ha, ha. Somewhere that goes in that it's funny. Yes. and when those things are portrayed in much more powerful ways in the media, you know, somewhere that sticks with people. Yeah. Um, and you're right. It's, you know, it happens to all minorities. Yeah. Uh, but that's how um, cultures are built. Yeah. And that's how prejudices are built and um, you know, kind of built upon by those kind of subliminal messages that happen through the things we watch, the things we hear and the things we say. Yeah, absolutely. So is it that, you know, would you have close friends that you can who would take the mickey out of you for your disability absolutely yeah yes. yeah and i also have disabled friends that i take the mickey out of for their disability yes. but you know i think it's it it's fine to make a joke if everybody's in it together yeah it's when it's when when you're laughing with somebody it's absolutely fine it's when you're laughing at somebody yeah. that's completely different so my friend and i for example my friend she's she's physically disabled and she can't walk and when we were at drama school she used to call me half a disabled person (laughs) because I would be able to walk and you that was really really funny and she would say that I was putting it on and we were joking Mm -hmm. however if a random person came up on the street and said well 
I think that you are taking advantage of people and pretending to be disabled, then that would be completely different. Absolutely. Um, and we intrinsically understood, so we'd never make those jokes in front of other people yeah. that didn't understand disability. Yeah. Um, but my PAs, who I'm really, you know, some of them who I'm really close to, mm -hmm. um, they take the mickey out of me too. But it's in a jokey way. Yeah. And we're both laughing together, but only after we've known each other for years. And they, they know that I'm going to find it funny. Yes. So there they, you go. And they never take it out of that atmosphere and tell it to somebody else. Yeah. It's not funny anymore. No. So it's, it's, it's about, regardless of anyone's anything disability or hair color or whatever it's mm. you, you 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 gain that permission once you've developed a relationship and a friendship and an understanding of each other and exactly. then it, yes and then it becomes acceptable exactly i had i've got a really good example actually i have a friend with a speech impairment and he's been my friend since primary school and he's really nice and his name is ross and he can't say his s's <laughs> so when i was you guys to massively take the mickey and i would say ross say silly sausages um and those kind of things yeah. and it, you know he he laughed with me and he ha ha se you know yeah. and he'd take the mickey out of me in some other way and i went round to his house once with my personal assistant who'd heard me using this language with him before and she said uh, hello and used um said his name with his struggles with his s's so hello rock and we both i just took her to one side and i said you know that's not appropriate and she'd be you do it and i said but that's different ross and i are really good friends i've known ross since i was eight when you do it you are taking the mickey mm -hmm. and you are making something that actually he really struggles with yeah. into a comedy thing and it's not funny it's completely different yeah. so even if you hear somebody else doing it it doesn't give you the right to do it yourself absolutely yeah Okay, well, it's it's been really, really fascinating chatting to you. Is there any kind of final message you would want to send out to the world about what you're doing and how you would like the world to be? Um, you, I would like. I mean, this is a big hope, but actually, we can't we can't do anything without having dreams for the future, can we? Yeah. But I mean, I would like to live in a world where disabled people, disability, um, is overlooked and we only see disability for the barriers that we need to put in place to help disabled people along and then disabled people will be completely equal like everybody else mm -hmm. yeah. and that's the world I would like to live in and you'll keep fighting for it no doubt yeah I will along with many others and you as well <laughs> yes absolutely it's so it's so important but I think there's so much I'm encouraged by how much I've seen I feel like there's a real movement on it um you yeah know? And it, that that's dead exciting. Absolutely, no, I agree. It's it definitely has exciting times. Um, I just I think with another message. Sorry, I think with um, you know, equality and diversity and inclusion are very high on people's agenda. But I think it's important that people understand that when we think of diversity, we think of all diversities, um, because people and businesses have a tendency to pick on one diversity and work really hard on that one and ignore all the others. But diversity is exactly that. It's diverse. Yes. It's celebration of every difference. Yeah. Was it um, not years it ago where... That in mind. This is a terrible thing, but I'm sure years ago they spoke about having the 1% quota in 
in in offices and things, didn't they? Where they had to have one percent or five percent or whatever the statistic yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I know my husband um, worked with a guy who was in a wheelchair, and he also had um, a colostomy bag, and somebody else was Asian, and they they knew each other very well, so they were always they they took the mickey out of each other and said, "Oh, I'm the one percent quota," <laughs> you know yeah. that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a bit of a shocking thing because it shouldn't be to fulfil a statistic. It should be to the, the right person for the job. Absolutely, which is why which is why they got rid of the quota. But yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So um, I would encourage everyone to go and have a look at Essie's website, which is celebratingdisability.co.uk, and you've got a Facebook page as well, haven't you? I do, which is Celebrating Disability, and I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Brilliant. So um, either for yourself or for the people or for anyone you work with, um, your employers, send them her way and she can sort them out, can't you? Yes, indeed, I will. (laughs) In a nice way. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Well, brilliant. I I wish you every success. Um, I think it's a fantastic business and I'm sure it will in the current climate, definitely, with this being so high on everyone's agenda, I can see it just going strength to strength and making a real difference to everybody's lives. Thank you very much, and thank you so much for inviting me. You're most welcome. Okay, thanks. Thank you, bye. bye. Yo! <laughs> that was really interesting, wasn't it? It's Yo! Like, it's like things that, it should be common sense. Yo! But if you don't... I can say yo again. It should be common sense, but if you don't live a life with disability involved. The cat doesn't eat sprinkles, or does she? She does, I told you that. Yeah, so it's like, it's pretty obvious that everybody should should be inclusive of everybody, and there should be things. Look. Oh my God, the cat eats sprinkles. <laughs> so it's all about inclusivity, is that a word? Inclusivity? Is that a word? Yeah, like including cats um, in eating pure sugar. But it's just difficult if you've if you've not experienced it firsthand. So it's great that Essie is going in and training businesses in particular. I think that's really cool. Um, to make everybody inclusive. Sugar? Rush? Sugar Rush? What Sugar Rush from? Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph. I can speak. Wreck-It Ralph. Yes, I think this is... Bless you, dear. Do your racing cars, it's your the rush. <laughs> I don't remember that. I remember, like, the blatant Japanese accent because I've played too much Sonic CD and I can recognise that accent. There's a wreck Ralph too. Did you know that? Yeah, but it's nowhere near as good. Oh. What do you think? Do you like wreck Ralph too? Yeah, so have a listen to the podcast. Tell us if you like it. I thought it was really interesting. Wear your glasses like I'm not. Not wearing your glasses. Did you bring them home this week? No. Oh, dear. And we'll catch you again next week for the podcast. Bye. You know what?